I remember a friend of ours, David Parker, he's, he's a pastor of a vineyard church in Lancaster, California. He tells the story how he was in a mad rush one morning. He overslept, it was, Chris, uh, it was a Sunday service, and threw his clothes off, dashed out, and um, it was only as he was preaching that uh, he realized he had bed hair. And uh, that caused him some concern, but he was able to sort that out. I haven't got bed hair, have I? What's wrong with my hair, Richard? Spectacular hair. Right, well, I'm glad to have hair, to be honest. Let's just pray, and then we'll get straight into it. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you to you for your presence. Thank you for what you've already done here today. Thank you, Lord God, for that young woman that got saved last service and the number of people that got uh, healed. Thank you, Lord God, that we are enjoying ever more of your manifest presence. And we love what you're doing, Lord God, and we invite you, Lord, as we follow the Spirit, as we press on into you, Jesus, to to do more of that. And so now we pray, Lord God, as we share this time and these thoughts together, that, Lord God, you will be honored and you will be glorified. And everyone said, Amen. Okay, we have this wonderful new logo which we're using, and you'll see a lot of this year, and it's, uh, it's the call, and it's... It's partly, um, it, it, it's the theme, it's the motif for this year, this 25th year of the vineyard here in St. Albans. It's in part looking back and celebrating all that God has done uh, and, and a reminder to us how this, you can just see it, this, that uh, Luke chapter four, verses 18 and 19, Jesus' manifesto, who was the thing that kind of drove us out in the first place and uh, and how uh, it's still relevant to this day. And uh, let me just read that to you. Luke chapter four, verses 18 and 19. And um, when I spoke two weeks ago, I wasn't able to complete the service because of, of uh, the, the sermon, because of various other things that were happening. But uh, I looked at it in, in more depth, and uh, you can check that out on the website, although I think actually, the, uh, the, the way I went with it uh, was with Isaiah 61. So if you missed the sermon two weeks ago, uh, check that out on the podcast. It's also on videocast, and that'll help you to sort of get a bit of background here. But to recap, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And we are celebrating... This year, 25 years of the Lord's favor. And we actually believe that this year is a year when we will know extraordinary dynamics of the Lord's favor. And and as I've been praying, and I I know many of you have as well, we had a great time with the leaders a, a week or so ago now. As we were praying about it, there is this very real sense that, that this is the year of the Lord's favor and, and, and he's looking for us to extend our reach. Now, I don't know about you, but at the beginning of every year, I kind of spend time thinking and reflecting and giving thanks and also trying to learn from my mistakes in the previous year. But also, I seek God's face and I, and I ask him for my life, my family's life, and our corporate life. I ask God for guidance. 
Uh, and this week, as I came into work on Monday, you know, it was uh, still pretty snowy then, but uh, as we came in on Monday, I have to say to you, the Lord had a treat in store for me because uh, as I arrived, I was greeted by, by Victor here and uh, he, uh, we sat down and just sort of chewed the cud for a little while, but he had a great, he had two or three great stories. I wish there was time to tell you them all, but he had a great story about very personal, very intimate but very important guidance. So would you welcome, please, Victor? And uh, let me just get the microphone. Oh, you've got it, that's great. Come on up. So this is Victor, and, uh, and let's see, have we switched on? Is it going? Yeah. Great. Victor, you've been coming along for a few months now, but you told me this wonderful story about God's guidance. Would you mind sharing that with us? Good Thank you. Good, Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I would share my story. Uh, with you, uh, it was happened last year. Uh, actually, I was a heavy alcoholic by 11 years, and my wife one day my wife left me. She took my kids and, and disappeared. And one year I didn't know, I didn't have idea where she is, and nobody would tell me, even my family, where she is, what she doing. And of course we meet time to time, but. But uh, it wasn't enough. And, and one day I came for service. It was 15th of July last year. And I prayed to God and I asked him to help me to find my wife. And after service, I brought my bicycle to home and, and I take the, decide to have a walk. Yeah? As I start to walk, nothing happens specifically. But at one moment, I feel I'm not walking alone. It was like, I feel like Jesus is with me. And, and he just showed me signs. And I followed the signs. And that was um, signs like uh, he blow wind to my face from different sides, in, from left, right, and front. So I followed the signs um, as I turn when it's wind. And he showed me cats. Uh, he sent me cats, and I followed the cats. And one, one moment, I, I, I saw, I saw car, uh, my, my wife car on the street, and and I checked registration. Yes, that that was my wife car, and <laughs> that was difficult because it was three identical uh, buildings. It's like hundred houses, and. <laughs> I ask, okay, Lord, you bring me here, but what now? How I can find her? And then I saw a pigeon, flying pigeon, and this pigeon landed on the balcony. And as, as long as this pigeon landed, my wife opened a door from the balcony, <laughs> and she came out, and I saw her, so, yeah. And I, I'm grateful. And one week I couldn't believe what was happening, but I find her. Nobody told me, I, and just God. And Victor, I, that is just the most beautiful little story, isn't that? Just give Victor another clap here. But you know, isn't that extraordinary that Jim should have that word to the church about following the wind of the Spirit? And that you didn't know this was going to happen, did you? Not a clue. 
You look pretty clueless, actually, Jim. <laughs> I've thought it before. No. <laughs> but seriously, of all the illustrations that God could bring in a prophetic time, which we hadn't planned, we didn't do that at the last service, the Spirit of God wants to draw close to us and say, and say listen, follow these, these promptings of mine. Go with the Spirit. And that's just what you did. And you had the wind on your face and the cats and, and a pigeon. <laughs> I just love the way God, the Holy Spirit, moves. Let's give Victor another clap. Bless your heart. Thank you. Thank you so much. Let me just pray for you. Father, we're getting to know Victor and he us. And he is just such a precious brother. And for years, the enemy just ran him ragged. For years, the enemy led him by the jaw into darker and more desperate places. For years, the enemy worked to destroy his family. But you, Lord God, are our redeemer. And you, Jesus, came, as it says in 1 John 5, you came to undo the works of the enemy. And we bless and believe that for us all, but especially for Victor this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Give him another clap. Thank you, Victor. Great story. You know, while we're sharing stories, I've, I've got to share another one with you. I'm going to share two more stories, I think, or maybe more, who knows. But one of the things we've started seeing in this church is God beginning to um, really undo the works of the enemy, undo things that, for, 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 that have been in existence for a long time. And, and I want you to, to, to now meet Helen. Give Helen a big round of applause. Come on, Helen. Tell us your story. You know, we, week by week, for years, we've seen healings at the end of the service. But God is beginning to deal with some things that were really ingrained, things that were really part of, you know, part of people's lives, an unwelcome part of people's lives for years. Helen, would you just tell us your story? Yeah. Um, for about 25 years, I had had eczema on my hands. Um, and as I was saying in the previous service, not just a little bit of irritation, but really red, raw, itchy hands, um, blisters, cracking, splitting, skin peeling off. It was just quite disgusting, really. And um, in the end, I actually lost my fingerprints um, and my nails became all sort of pitted and splitting and it just was a mess. And of course, because it's your hands, it's very difficult to deal with on an everyday basis. Everything you touch is, you know, difficult and hard sometimes to open your hands properly because they just split open. Uh, anyway, uh, back in April, one of these words of knowledge that Chris or whoever often reads out at the end of the meeting, uh, one of those came up and it was for somebody with a skin condition. And so I responded to it and went over to there like you do. And um, a lady prayed for me, and I didn't actually feel anything happen at the time. Um, but within a couple of days, the intense itching had stopped, mm -hmm. and I didn't get any new blisters. And then the cracks and splits started to heal up, and this wow. was sort of over a, a period of time. Um, and then by about three or four months, my fingertips started to heal up and my fingerprints came back. Wow. Which actually, as I was sitting there in this, this uh, worship we've just had, I was just really thanking God for that because it, it's something about your identity. Yeah. You know, and to have that restored to me was, was quite phenomenal. Uh, and I've also got a full set of proper nails. 
So, well. <laughs> all glory to God. <laughs> Do you know, it's so weird that you should say that because I, obviously I've heard you talk sorry, a couple of times now, but just as you were speaking then, I thought it's identity. God is giving you back your identity. You know, the enemy would make us just gray, what I call crash test dummies, you know. You know the enemy would turn us into things that are destined for destruction. But the Father undoes the work of the enemy and restores us and welcomes us home as precious, precious sons and daughters. He gives us back our identity as princes and princesses in Christ. That was always his plan for us and that's his plan for you thank you so much let's just pray actually uh, Helen and I were chatting and and Helen did say that about four weeks ago it started to come back and you you wanted to just sort of be honest as a matter of integrity and I think that's so wonderful it did start to come back is it has it come back now it's fine it was it's it gone. was alcohol gel at the Alco- oh alcohol gel oh I had me worried there for a minute I thought it was alcohol you know <laughs> alcohol gel yeah. let's just play God's blessing upon you Father, I want to say thank you for, the, for Bob and for Helen and the rest of the family, Lord God. They, they're just so precious to us. And, and Lord God, thank you that you are restoring the church's identity in Christ. We're beginning to walk tall as we rediscover who we are. And no wonder the enemy trembles. Ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you, Helen. Thank you so much. Well, there's one other story I want to tell you, and, and this is, is really on the back of the reading, the Luke 4 reading. If you just turn with me back to that and, and just look at that again, Jesus says he, sent, uh, he sends us to proclaim freedom for cap- to captives, whatever that looks like, and recovery of sight for the blind. I have an amazing story to tell you. Two weeks ago, and some of you know this story because you saw it on the tweets and things like that. Two weeks ago, at the end of the stories, um, at the end of the service rather, uh, actually it was Victor. Victor and a, and a friend of his called Chris came forward. And Chris, uh, he may even be here. I don't know whether Chris is here, but uh, anyway. Chris, this was a special day for him. This was the first time he'd been in a church since he was nine years old when he was confirmed, it was in, confirmed in Poland, he'd never been in a church since, and the Lord had sort of conspired to get him along to church two weeks ago. And I preached the first part of this message you know, where God talks about, amongst other things, restoring sight to the blind. Now, now, every single one of us needs our sight to be restored. Some of us physically, you know, others, and everyone, in fact, is spiritually blind. Until you meet Jesus, you just don't have the lens with which to do life. Jesus is the key. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And it may be that you are here today by royal appointment. You may have been dragged by a friend, or you may have just blundered in because you thought it was a wine warehouse, or who knows why you're here. But you are here by royal appointment. And it may well be that today is a special day for you because you are going to and are about to meet the Lord Jesus yourself. Yes, you've heard other stories and thought, well, or whatever. But you are about to meet him personally. 
And this day will go down, and you will remember this day just as Victor remembered July the 17th because that was a special day in his story. And in meeting Jesus, the first thing that you will commonly note is you feel unworthy. Maybe you'd even say, I feel like, I feel unclean. We've had that. I feel that there's things in my lives that will actually disqualify me from knowing Jesus or even being anything remotely like a Christian. And I want to say to you that the good news at which this passage is all about, this declaration of Jesus is, is all about people finding their true identity in Christ because every single one of you, God has a plan for you to restore you to the son and the daughter that you, you are. And it may be that up until this point, everything in your life has conspired to knock that out of you. In Helen's case, it literally ripped her, her unique identity away. In terms of her fingerprints, there's you know, nothing as unique as that. And so today, you, might, you may well feel inclined at some point in this service just to say, oh God, I, I don't know what that preacher bloke is really all about, but I do know that I've messed up. Oh my gosh, have I messed up. And I do know I need help. Will you help me? And I do know that there are things of, in my life I'm ashamed of and I just don't want to go there again, Lord God, I don't even think about that again. Things I've done and things that were done to me. But he Jesus, the Holy Spirit, who you sense even as I'm speaking out, he's the one that you can say that to. He is the one that you can say, Lord, forgive me. Make me new. That's the prayer. Forgive me. Make me new. And as you seek his forgiveness, not avoiding it or pretending it or in denial about it, as you seek his forgiveness and as you throw in your lot with him, as you say, from now on, I'm not much of a catch, Lord God, but I'm gonna try and live my life for you and I wanna become part of this great thing you're doing. As that happens, as you do that, so God will come running to you with open arms and sweep you off his feet and the angels will party because that's what this gig is about. The Bible says something extraordinary. It says that if the church will do that, if his people will preach that message of forgiveness, preach that message of welcome home, preach that message of, of, of love and acceptance, which is something that we have for 25 years been trying to do here, he will back up the act. It says he will confirm the word with signs and wonders. That's the ex- exact expression, confirm the word with signs and wonders. Now, two weeks ago, Victor brought Chris forward, and Chris, Chris had been blind, he was 28 now, and he'd been blind since he was age 12 in his left eye. In fact, I noticed that there was something a bit wacky about his left eye. Was, you could see it. And he got prayer, and prayer team down there prayed for him. And God healed him. It says here, the blind will see again. God healed him. He could see out of his left eye. Now, you know, we don't have to big it up. He's got 
90% of his sight back. Not 100% yet, we're praying for that. Just like Helen had a little bit of a relapse. We don't have to tell you things and make it better than it is because it's already flipping awesome. And he, he was so blown away by this and that he thought that he was on fire. He felt God's presence on him. How many of you have ever felt what you might call the fire of God? Just put your hand on. It is a funny old thing. I've got my hand up because I felt it too. It feels like you're on fire. It kind of, and he's never experienced, hadn't been to church since he was nine, just the once. And he thought he was on fire, and it'll make you smile, but he went outside and it was so bad, he thought he started taking his clothes off. Had to be almost restrained. And then Adam, I think you emailed me, didn't you? In the, in, telling us the story. And he's still on fire now. But this is what is going to happen when the church begins to wake up in the year of God's favor and share this good news that whatever other agendas are swanning around, around us, whatever we're being told by the news and our politicians, that actually God has his own agenda. And his own ad- agenda is restoring sons and daughters who have been held captive by the enemy, sometimes for years. And so we're coming into a season We've always been in it, but somehow it's a more than season. More than just that which we had. Somehow it's a season where God, and he loves, he loves anniversaries. The Bible is full of celebrations for anniversary. It's full of God, you know, the people of God remembering what God said and now celebrating because God has done what he said he would do. We are in a season now where we are celebrating God's grace and goodness to us. And I want to take the thought on one step. Because if that's true, if this is a a season of God's favor and we believe it is, then how are we going to respond to that? You know, I've heard Christians, and I'll I'll be perfectly honest with you, I think there's been times in the past where I have thought so. When God speaks something good to you, maybe through a prophetic word or through reading or somehow or other, you get a sense that God's favor is upon you. I, for one, and others I know, have tended to say, well, great. So what do I do with that? If it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. And the people of God don't always know how to respond to that. But there is a response. And again, it's based on God and his nature and his, his capacity and his intention and his vision as much as anything else. So if you've got a Bible, it'll come up on the screen. Just turn with me, please, to Ephesians chapter three, just two verses there. And I am encouraging our leaders and I'm marrying these two. I'm, they're like sisters. They're, you know, close as... They're different, but they're the same. I'm marrying this Luke 4 thing, and I'm marrying this together, working together. To use another image, like two strong shire horses pulling a wagon. There's the favor of God, and then there's this passage, which, which encourages to make a response. So let's throw that up on the screen, please. Ephesians chapter 3. Thank you very much, Tim. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more 
than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Just think about that for a moment. You know, God gave me this verse, and I've had it many times, but when I was on sabbatical 18 months ago, as many of you who were here will recall, I came back, and this was one of the most important verses that I came back from Israel with. I just felt that God was really saying, Chris, watch my lips. You're going to come into a season when this is what you will know if you will dare to extend your reach. So I carried it with me, and when, when I came back here, we got plunged straight into a whole series of really difficult issues and all the rest of it, and I, I felt like the word of God was going to be beaten out of me. It was as much as we could do to put one foot in front of the other. You know that kind of time when you just think, what else is going to go wrong? But I refused to lose this word. I, I carried it as, as treasure. I thought, every, you know, you can take everything else away from you, but I'm not going to take away this promise from God because there's going, going to be a time... When, when we will move into that. And I believe we're coming into that time now. Just think about it. To him who is able to do immeasurably more. Yeah, I am grateful for what God has done here. But you know what? He's issuing a challenge to you and to me. He's saying, I can do immeasurably more. Hands up if you want to see God do immeasurably more. Yeah, the other congregation was absolutely the same. Of course, why wouldn't we? We're the people of God. Come on, Lord, bring it on. Yes, please, Lord, do immeasurably more than all we ask. And I don't know about you, but when I get going, I can get a, bring out a right old shopping list of things to, for God to do. Anybody else in that place? Well, bless you, Richard. Amen to that. Give that man a clap. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, I don't know about you, but I've got a pretty vivid imagination. And he's saying, I can do more than you can even imagine. According to what? According to his power, not my power, not me sort of ramping it up or trying to do a good sermon or trying to get you all geared up like some sort of cheerleader. It's not about me, it's not about my or, or us, it's about his power. His power, that is at work, not was or might be if we're very good and smile and speak nicely. It's about the power that is already at work among us. And his purpose is this. His power is at work among us and within us. His purpose is to bring glory, the manifest glory of God in the church. The, the old funny, quirky, silly, seemingly irrelevant, laugh behind your hand kind of thing that society does about the church. It is God's intent to bring him glory through the church. Someone shout amen. amen. Thank you. Glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, not just the first century Christians, not just the Wesleyan brothers, not just the great Billy Graham revivals of the 50s in the last century, but throughout all generations. It's you. It's for you. Say, turn to your name and say, it's for me, or it's for you. Turn to your name and say, it's for you. 
You know, you may have all sorts of doubts and anxieties and rever- rever- you know, reservations and concerns and all the rest of it. Yeah, join the club. Get in line behind me. But it's not about you. It's all about him. And it's what he has determined to do through us, his church. This is a wonderful message. This is an inspiring message. This is the message you want to get behind and give yourself to. So what should we do, Chris? Three things. There's probably a sermon series here, but I, and maybe we'll do that, but I want you to just grasp this. Three things. How should we behave then in the light of this this tandem truth, a year of God's favor, a year where God is promising to do more than we can possibly imagine or ask, what is our response to do, to be? First of all, do what is necessary. (laughs) Well, that's a bit sort of ordinary. Do you know, I wanted to say this to you because as, you know, when I'm, I'm pastoring, when I'm doing that pastoral element of my work, not just with, with, with folk in our congregation, but you know, Fliss and I, and many of our team now, we are in the fortunate position, or, or whatever, however you regard it, where we get consulted by other churches. We're, we're currently you know, in conversation with another, a number of churches. I had one leader ring me up from another church in South London yesterday in a panic about a situation. And I have to say this to you. Very often, the solution that I share or feel prompted to share or we share as a team with people is not rocket science. It's not go up on this mountain and fast and pray for 40 days and then an angel will appear and he will give you a trumpet and then march around this place and blow the trumpet seven times and suddenly everything will be okay again. Often what we say is go home and take care of business. Do what is necessary. That's exactly what I said to this leader in South London. They rang me up my day off in a sweat. I spent 20 minutes on the phone. And they, at the end of it, they said, oh, oh, thank you. Thank you, yeah. This is what they said. They said, you know, it's, you know when you say it, it, it's, yeah, it makes perfect sense. It's just, so, so, it's just that, you know, these things happen and I feel like a rabbit caught in the headlights. <laughs> you know, come on, guys. Just get a grip. Do what is necessary. And what is necessary for us as followers of Jesus, what is necessary is that we aspire to love, that we serve one another. You know, if you're not volunteering for the kids' ministry or whatever, yet get on with it. (laughs) That we give, we tithe, we take care of the, the financial thing. You know, that we, that we you know, start small groups if you're a leader and not in leadership at the moment, or we, or we lead small groups, or we go to small groups, we get involved in the prayer ministry. We do, we take care of business. This is the church. This is church 101, and Jesus did it all the time until his disciples got it and did it as second nature. Do what is necessary. Come on, guys. Get into the word of God again. Come on, guys, set aside a little time to pray. Just don't leave it all to Sunday. Come on, do what is necessary. Then, very often, life's pressures, you know, beats this part out of us. 
But if we serve this living God full of promise, hope, and potential, well, then we ought to dream a few dreams. Phyllis and I were doing a consultancy this week, and we we had a a small group of leaders from the church, and we said to them, uh, they were all expecting me to talk about this, that, and the other, IRTDM, and all sorts of stuff that we spent our time talking about. And I said, tell me your dreams. And only three of them had any dreams, and that concerned me. Because it told me that life had beaten the dream, the possibility, the kingdom potential out of them. So take care of what is necessary. Then, then, do everything possible. Not everything that you dream will be possible for you to do. But make a start. Don't let those dreams get beaten out of you. The enemy will try and rip it away, just like he tried to rip that verse away when I came back from from sabbatical. You know, do a bit more than what is necessary. Take care of business, but do a bit more. Exert yourself. Extend your reach. You know, make the sacrifice. Make the decision that now, not then, when you get this sorted out or that sorted out or the moon is in the association with Saturn or some other silly thing, Do it now. Attempt something. Attempt something in Christ's name. Do that which is possible. Well, if I, if I, maybe if I restructure my time of the weekend when I do that, maybe we can do this with the guys and we can sort of start this ministry doing so and so. Yeah, that's it, that's what I'm talking about. Something new, extend your reach. Because the kingdom dynamic is this. The PowerPoint, if you like. The great hidden promise that isn't a promise is if you'll take care of business and do what is necessary, and then in Christ's name, as best you're able, with with the very all of you you can muster, and there may not be much left over, I know what that feels like. If you will then do everything possible in a disciplined and consistent and tenacious way, Suddenly you'll look up. You'll look around. And it's usually the Lord that prompts you to look around. And what happens? You find you're doing the impossible. Before you know it, you're doing the impossible. Twenty-five years ago there was nothing. You know the story now. Many of us now, over a hundred leaders in this church, we look around and we still slap each other on the back and say, how did, how did we ever get like this? You know how? Believing in a God who could dream beyond the impossible. Taking care of business, doing that which was necessary, just the ordinary mundane old things, but then finding time and energy and the will to do everything possible beyond that. So this year, in a time of God's favor, we can actualize. Remember I talked about, I think I talked about the pot noodle needing the hot water to go in it before it becomes something that is remotely edible. God's promises need to be activated. And it's faith It's faith that activates them. And this is a blueprint for faith. Do what is necessary, then do everything possible. Before you know it, you're doing the impossible. 
Let's all stand, shall we? Can I have the worship team back up? Thank you. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you to you because it is your faithfulness without a shadow of a doubt that's got us to this point in time. Thank you for the stories of your manifest presence that we've heard this morning. And Lord, we pray now, Lord God, that you would, uh, you would bless each and every one of us. Help us, Lord God, to do that which is necessary. Help us to rediscover those dreams that the enemy has stolen from us. And Lord God, may we be faithful and do our very best to see things come to pass that we might eventually be found doing the impossible. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.